Proverbs, Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. Love the presence of the Lord that we feel here today. And uh, thank you, Sister Rep, for following the leading of the Holy Ghost. Genesis 2, 7, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed. Someone said he breathed. Into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Man became a living soul. John 20 and 19. John 20 and 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, obviously talking about the Pharisee Jews, who were the ones who were against Jesus, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Y'all glad that we can feel his presence here today. And someday we're going to see him. Then said Jesus unto them again, peace be unto you as my father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. And with the Lord's help today, I want to talk about Holy Ghost oxygen. Holy Ghost oxygen. Jesus, we thank you for the word that has life. It is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Let it, O oh God, sink deep within our spirits today and move in many hearts, and everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Scripture tells us we are fearfully and wonderfully made. I often refer to this aging body, a bag of bones, but really, we are complex creatures. <laughs> and you and I understand that design requires a designer. There is no way that all of the amazing, they're still discovering things about our human body that amazes um, you know, the most advanced in the area of medical science and all of those things. Still, uh, discoveries they make about the brain. And, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm impressed with the things they're able to do now with artificial intelligence. And some of it is, a lot of it is prophetic in the direction it is going. With mind control and global government using that and Vladimir Putin saying whoever controls artificial intelligence will rule the world, these kinds of things. But, you know, even as amazing as artificial intelligence is, and it's really integrated pretty deeply in our lives already, there still is no computer like the human brain that Almighty God made. That which is within your skull cavity, the, the human mind, they say, experts say, we only tap into a small portion of it throughout our lives. And they're trying to figure out ways to help us tap into greater depths of our mind. <laughs> and uh, you got to be careful with some of that. But according to sciencing.com, nearly every organism on the planet requires oxygen. Oxygen. Oxygen is obviously a key. The Bible tells us that life is in the blood. Well, why? Well, there's several reasons for that, but one of the main reasons life is in the blood is because the blood carries oxygen throughout our bodies. Oxygen is vital for life. And a pastor uh, got word that one of his 
uh, faithful men was in the hospital, and he went to visit him in the hospital and to pray for him. And the man had an oxygen mask on, and he was hooked up to all kinds of stuff. So he couldn't really talk. And the pastor stood there expressing his uh, compassion and concern, and he was going to pray for him. And the, this, this, uh, this man, this faithful brother, became very distressed visibly. And, of course, he couldn't talk, so he, he motioned uh, to write, like he wanted to write something on a piece of paper. And the pastor hurried up and got him a piece of paper, and the brother wrote something down, folded up the piece of paper, handed it to the pastor. The pastor did not read it, stuck it in his pocket. And the man became very, uh, like in a state of shock, and then he suddenly passed away, sadly, right there on the spot before the pastor could really pray for him or anything. And at the funeral, the pastor began eulogizing, saying all the wonderful things about the man and how he was such just a great brother. And, he, and right in the middle of his eulogizing for the man and saying all these things, he said, you know what? Right at the tragic end, he wrote something down on a piece of paper, and you know what? I have not read it yet. And he said, I happen to have it in my pocket. He said, let's see. He said, I have his last words in my pocket. And he said, let's see what he, what he said. And he got it out, and he opened it up, and he read the note during the funeral. And it said, Pastor, you're standing on my oxygen hose. Get off. Yes, that's a joke. And yes, I got it from Jer- the late Jerry Clower, the Baptist comedian. Okay. No, that did not really happen. But it makes the point, the incredible importance of oxygen. They say that human energy comes from food and oxygen. I would not have been able to guess this in a million years, but they say that food only gives us approximately 10% of our energy needs, and oxygen is required for the other 90% percent of our energy and I'm sure it's much more complicated than that but every once in a while when I'm working out I might get a little lightheaded and someone said to me you're not breathing deeply enough you're not breathing enough while you're working out and that really helped me not to get as lightheaded because my brain wasn't getting enough oxygen so our respiratory system is the gateway that allows oxygen to enter the body And, of course, obviously, we inhale through either our nose, mouth, passes through the larynx, trachea. Trachea splits in two into the bronchial tubes, leads to the capillaries. Capillaries take oxygen into the arteries, and the oxygen-rich blood is then pumped and absorbed into every cell in the body. So any part of the body that does not get blood doesn't get oxygen, and that part of the body, of course, will begin to die. So oxygen is required to build new cells and tissue. And I don't want to get too much into this, but I do find it fascinating that before Noah's flood, experts say there was a huge canopy of water around the outer atmosphere of the earth way up there that kept a greater level of oxygen within the earth and thus They say, I don't know how they know all this, but that vegetation grew much larger and richer because of a higher level of oxygen in the inner atmosphere. And they also say that animals, 
uh, grew usually larger and faster. And, you know, professional athletes, when they get injured, they will put them in a hyperbaric chamber and they heal much quicker. Even the book of Genesis, I think, what is it, chapter 6 or somewhere in there, refers to the fact that there were giants in the earth in those days. Could it be that one of the reasons why there was a percentage of giants, and I know it goes into the angelic beings and all of that, but that one of the reasons why all of this stuff was the case was because of a greater level of oxygen. And they say after Noah's flood, that canopy of water around the outer atmosphere holding in that higher level of oxygen was dissipated. And the Bible goes into some very interesting things about all of that. I personally was born, my mom could tell you this story better than I could. I was born five weeks premature, uh, night, uh, night, uh, May 31st, 1970 at 1123 at night at Kaiser Hospital in Santa Clara, California. And it was supposed to be a little funny that you, I know what time of night I was born, right? It was 1123, right, Mom? I was supposed to be born about right now, about the first week of July or something. But, you know, I mean, to be a preemie is really not that big of a deal, especially these days. But for one reason or another, when the nurse was back then, they didn't have all of the, you know, uh, sophisticated birthing suites and all this. So when the nurse was carrying me uh, across the hall... I guess to the recovery room or whatever, uh, the nurse noticed that my face was turning a bluish gray and she realized I wasn't getting enough oxygen. And of course, my mom would know all the details, but uh, they discovered one of my lungs had collapsed because of a tiny little pinhole and they were able to put me in an isolate. Even back in 1970, they had this amazing, uh, you know, medical technology, an isolate where they kept me there as a preemie for two weeks. My lung healed and here I am. Now, now, my parents and I, we believe that God let that nurse see that in just the nick of time before I died. But, you know, it really doesn't take that long. If oxygen flow is cut off, it doesn't take very long to lose consciousness. And, you know, when you're a little kid, you do a lot of crazy things, dumb things. I did. I did all kinds of really dumb things as a kid. And I, I believe the Lord had his hand on me, as I'm sure you feel the same way. But uh, the elementary school I went to, I uh, went to a good school. Uh, but on rainy days, our, our teachers would keep us in, right, on a rainy day recess, keep us inside. And I don't know where the teacher was, but uh, some of the kids got the idea that we would knock ourselves out, literally. And they said, hey, Craig, I don't know if it was a girl that had a vendetta against me. I think I was maybe in fourth grade. She said, hey, Craig, come here. I'm like, what? She said, we're going to knock ourselves out. I'm like, really? She said, yeah, all you do is cross your arms like this. Inhale as much as you can. Hold your breath and don't exhale. And she said, you will pass out. And I said, all right. And I did. <laughs> and I, I don't, please don't do this. <laughs> but I remember falling forward. I remember blacking out. Now, when I black out, I, this really happened. I have a video clip in my head of passing out. And uh, when I pass out, uh, I don't, it's not fun. But, uh, you know, it's just not a fun feeling. But this was voluntary. It's worse when it's involuntary. But things kind of go blackish, reddish for me. And then I'm gone. And I've only passed out maybe a couple times in my life. Uh, like, I can think of one other time, I think. But some people pass out a lot. But I remember 
literally coming to, my tongue was numb, other parts of my body had, were numb, and I, it wasn't a good feeling, so I never did it again, and I don't recommend it because, you know, what if you don't come back? You know what I'm saying? And so, but it's just, it just goes to show when you don't get enough oxygen. I was preaching in southeast Louisiana near Bogalusa and uh, another small town not far from there, and we went to eat at a buffet, and in this church I was preaching at, uh, one of the local ministers uh, went out to eat with us, and we went, we went to a, you know, just a country Cajun buffet, and they had, on the buffet, they had all kinds of things. They had uh, strip beef, which is like strips of beef, you know, and they were like four inches long and about an inch and a half wide, and we were talking like you normally do when you're eating, and this this minister was sitting across from me, and I know he was he like he was a jokester. He liked to cut up a lot, and I, I looked at him, and he had this blank stare in his face. Now, no, let me back up. I watched him as he did not cut up his strips of beef, Brother Green, <laughs> and I watched him stick a put a big bite in his mouth that was about four inches long of solid beef. And I was a little concerned, and he was talking at the same time, and then I watched him do this. And I said, bro, are you choking? And he goes, I said, do you need me to do the Heimlich? Now, mind you, I've never done the Heimlich on anybody in my life, and I have no formal training. And he goes, I thought, this guy's not joking. So I jumped up out of my chair. Everyone's eating. Everyone's talking. I ran around him. I said, get up. He stood up. This is a big guy. It took everything I could muster up to get my arms wrapped all the way around him. And I locked my hands, and I pulled with everything I had. I'll spare you the details, but I saved his life by the grace of God. But because he was choking, he couldn't get enough oxygen. (laughs) And, I mean, within five minutes, he's back to telling a story, and I'm still shaking. The people around me are still shaking because we knew that he could have died You know what I'm saying? It's a scary feeling when you can't breathe. I wondered who was the longest person that's ever, who's ever been the longest uh, to hold their breath. And I thought maybe two minutes, three minutes. I know myself, I can, a normal size pool, probably not an Olympic size pool, but a standard backyard pool I can pretty much get across uh, in one lap uh, with my face under the water. That's about the most I can do. So what, 30 seconds? I'm, I don't. I guess I don't have the biggest lung capacity in the world. But I thought, okay, there's probably someone that's held their breath two, three, four minutes maybe. And according to Guinness, Burl, Guinness Book of World Records.com, there was a dude named Alex Vendrell, a professional freediver in Barcelona, Spain, in February 2016. He held his breath for 24 minutes and was fine with no brain damage and lived to tell about it. And I thought, that is psychopathic crazy. There is no way anybody could hold their breath for 24 minutes without brain damage, but they say he was fine. But again, you know what it's like when you can't catch your breath. What is your point, preacher? You know what I'm trying to say, that Jesus Christ is our life. Hallelujah. He is our breath. He is our oxygen. And yet people live their lives for years without making that eternal connection and realizing 
that God Almighty has so much more to offer than just formal religion. I'm not here to blast people. There's a lot of good, hardworking people all around us. They're good people in many, many ways. We all need Jesus. We all need to be filled with God's Spirit. And I know that most of you are fully aware that the Spirit of the living God, amen, is our oxygen. He's our oxygen, amen? According to SmokeyBear.com, yes, there really is such a website. Air, or the atmosphere, contains about 21% oxygen. So you can't just breathe solid oxygen for very long. Uh, It has to be a mixture, and I'm not an expert in that area. But they say that most fires require at least 16% oxygen. In the year 2017, we had, again, I refer to my home state of California, we had over 100 forest fires burning simultaneously. I'm sure my parents remember that. But, you know, the whole, there's a whole, uh, but uh, over 100 forest fires were raging at one time. In the last, I mean, just last year, in 2018, the entire city of Paradise, California, was wiped out by a massive forest fire. Malibu and Thousand Oaks uh, were heavily damaged from a huge forest fire. Now, you and I understand God made fire. Fire's not a bad thing in and of itself. It can be a very positive thing. It can keep us warm. It can do many, many other things for us. But we also understand the incredible dangers of fire. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 29 spiritualizes fire and tells us that our God is a consuming fire. Hallelujah. But there's something I want you to get here. Uh, firefighters are trained. Any firefighters in the house? Well, if there were, I would, I would say we honor your service to our communities. I have great respect for firefighters because they risk their lives. They go into dangerous situations. I have a neighbor who, uh, in Wiley where I, where I have a cave that he, he is a fire captain of, his, uh, of one of the regions there. I have great respect for what they do. Now, obviously, they may go days and months without any incidents, which, of course, is what they want. <laughs> they want no incidents at all. But they understand the dynamics that I couldn't even begin to try to uh, uh, really put into proper terminology about how oxygen greatly affects fire. I think that it doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand that if firefighters or first responders are approaching a building or a house that is on fire and there's people in the building, yes, our goal is to get the people out safely, but it can be trepidatious and dangerous because if they just all of a sudden start breaking out windows and bursting open doors, they're suddenly letting more oxygen into the building and it can go up and sometimes even implode or explode in flames or if nothing else, heavily increase the fire. Now, that would be a negative thing, obviously, for the buildings and the people. Yes, of course. The positive thing, or the thing I want you to first understand, is without, and they know this, where there's no oxygen, there is no fire. Say that with me. Say, no oxygen. Say, no fire. When I was, again, I refer to my childhood, I remember uh, my mom liked candles, and like most women do, well, men like candles too. We got mandals, right? 
We men got mandals, but uh, my mom had a Hallmark store, and she'd bring home candles and stuff. I remember as a little kid, uh, I'm sure you remember this, Mom. I'm looking around. I was a curious uh, lad, and uh, I remember seeing some candles and next over by these huge mirrors that we had, and there was this metal stick about this long, and I said, Mom, what's that? She said, oh, Craig, that's a snuffer. I said, what's a snuffer? And she said, well, that's so you don't have to blow the candle out or you don't have to p- try to put it out with your fingers. You pick up this little rod. It's got a little cup on the end. You know what a snuffer is, and you can just put out the candle. You can put out the flame on the end of the candle. And I thought, you know what? I don't want to be a professional Pentecostal snuffer. Now, <laughs> In other words, now listen to me, listen to me. There, <laughs> I understand. I, you know, I've, I've pastored, and, and people are wonderful, and, and you got to love people, and we do, and you all love people, and you all love each other, right? You love the person sitting next to you. You love everybody in this room. But let me say, some people over the years, they, they learn to have this little snuffer with them, and they bring it to church, and they keep it in their pocket. And some of them, they're faithful. No, there's none. Of, there's no snuffers here, but they they keep it concealed, right? And you don't have a license. You don't have to have a license to carry a snuffer, but they get it out at just the right time. And I know what I'm talking about because most of the people I pastored were good people. But every once in a while, you get a snuffer, and just at the right time. Someone, so let me, let me just give a hypothetical. Some sisters talking about a miracle. God healed me or God gave me a promotion or God saved one of my kids or something. And all of it, and here comes the professional snuffer. And they're there all the time, but you can't see their snuffer. And they walk up just at the right time and they'll say, did God really do that? Or was that just your imagination? Are, are you just... Are you just wanting to you just wanting to look good and talk about, you know, miracles? You know what? I would rather be guilty, Pastor Rab, of of talking positive and talking faith and talking about what God is doing or what God can do. I don't want blood on my hands because I put out someone else's fire with my little concealed snuffer of doubt and skepticism. God forbid. So, let the fire burn brightly. When you don't understand something, take a deep breath of Holy Ghost oxygen. When I was a kid, our Taekwondo master and the instructors, they said, there's something that you need to understand. This isn't just about learning how to defend yourself. This is being mentally prepared. And he said, if you ever misuse this at school, we will kick you out of class. But one of the things they taught us is oxygen or stale, but what's no longer oxygen, stale air or carbon dioxide gets trapped at the bottom of the lungs. And so they taught us breathing exercises. Now, why am I telling you that? Because sometimes as God's people, we can be caught up in the frenzy of doing the work of God, and we should be, and trying to accomplish things for God, and we should be. We should be about our Father's business. But sometimes we forget to stop and breathe. See, when we worship, we're getting rid of the stale cares, the stale doubts, the stale fears that try to constantly pull us down and trouble us.
Yes, we should be busy about working for God. But at the same time, if you, I can't get very far if I don't take time to charge up the battery. Amen. You know, have you ever been trying to work on a project and you've got your cordless drill, man? And right in the middle of that project, that, that battery runs out. You got to take time to charge up the battery. So back to no oxygen, no fire. John said, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he that comes after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. We got to understand that the Holy Ghost is accompanied by the fire of God. So don't apologize for being on fire. Don't be ashamed for being on fire. That does not make you weird at all. Now, every once in a while, someone may misunderstand your fire. You know, God didn't, when God filled us with his spirit, he didn't take away our common sense, amen? He didn't take away our intellect. Some of the smartest people I know are people that are spirit-filled and walk in the spirit. In fact, living the spirit-filled life is the smartest way to live, amen? That doesn't mean that all of a sudden our brains just become a mindless mush. To the contrary, to the contrary, God told Daniel in the last days knowledge would be increased. So what am I trying to say? That if we'll walk in the Spirit, God will teach us what we need to know through His Word. And the Spirit-led ministries of these fantastic men of God, and you as well. Don't forget, you as a child of God have access to all nine gifts of the Spirit. Not to mention the fruit of the Spirit. So I ask myself a question, and I think we should all Ask, I think we would all benefit by asking ourselves from time to time, in prayer, in the presence of God, am I allowing myself in any way, shape, or form to do anything or think any negative thinking patterns or any uh, attitude situations that would be suffocating the spirit, be suffocating the fire by not properly allowing the spirit of God to flow in our lives. I say that because I think it is so important in the presence of God to let him have free course, to let him move in our lives in the way that he wants to move. And I think to myself, why would we or anybody else for that matter ever be afraid of the most powerful life-giving force on earth? Amen. Think about it. Think about it for just a second. Man did not become a living soul until God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Until that moment, man was not a living being. Now, you can't say he was dead Because God formed Adam, as the Bible says, of the dust of the earth, whether that's literal or symbolic or a combination of the two. I mean, I take it literally. I'm just saying it is what it is. God formed Adam, but there was no life in him yet until God chose to do it the way he did it. 
So I think, again, we all have to ask ourselves, am I in need? Are we in need of spiritual resuscitation? Because you and I know Jesus Christ is the source of all life, amen? And so you know what? The good news is, I mean, if you are in need of resuscitation, that does not make you a bad person. We're all in the same boat. It just means that look at the promise of God that he will breathe Holy Ghost power of life into you if you'll receive it. And really, it's not hard. It's not hard, right? It's one of the most beautiful things that anyone could ever experience. And of course, you know I talk about prophecy and it makes me think about Ezekiel 37, if you want to. Musicians come, company sister Rab. But I, I just want to touch on Ezekiel 37 because here Ezekiel is looking out over a valley of dry bones. And I think it's most likely that he was looking out at the leftover bones of the Nazi Holocaust. And I'm not trying to be morbid. God was showing Ezekiel a vision. And we know it's pertaining to Israel. Just hang with me for a second. We know it's pertaining to Israel because in verse 11 of Ezekiel 37, he said, this is the whole house of Israel. And they stood upon their feet, a great army. But look at the progression because there's spiritual principles built in. He asked Ezekiel a question. He said, Zeke, can these bones live? And he was overwhelmed and he said, oh Lord God, thou knowest. And he said, Ezekiel prophesied of the bones. And as Ezekiel prophesied, which is speaking life, what had happened? The bones came together. How many of y'all know we've got to come together in his presence? Well then, so they were skeletons. Perhaps millions and millions of skeletons. What did he tell Ezekiel? Keep prophesying. And as he prophesied, everything necessary for life came upon them all the internal organs, respiratory system, circulatory system, brain, eyes, everything else, you get the point. Muscles, lin uh, ligaments, tendons, nervous system, all of it right there. And he covered them with skin. And I imagine that they were some of the most beautiful human beings ever. You can't say they were dead, but they weren't alive either. You ever been in a wax museum? I was just a little kid when we, I remember we went to a wax museum. And of course, when you're three or four or five years old, however old I was, you look up and they look so real. But these were real. And he said, there's no breath in them. No oxygen in them. And he said, Ezekiel, I want you to prophesy one more time. What he's telling him, he said, prophesy to the wind. You know, you exhale hard enough, you make a little bit of wind. You blow out those candles. He said, prophesy to the wind. What was God telling Ezekiel to do? Now, this is trust. God was trusting Zeke to prophesy to himself. He said, come on, read it. Because the wind of God was a type of the Spirit of God. God, in essence, was trusting Ezekiel to prophesy to his own spirit because God's a spirit, right? And he said, prophesy to the wind. And the Bible tells us it came from all directions. 
and the wind of God or the breath of God, the Spirit of God came upon this vast army and God put life in them and they stood upon their feet a great army. Now we know it's a prophecy of the rebirth of the nation of Israel in 1948, but it's also a prophecy of the last days outpouring of the Spirit of God where he told Joel, in the last days saith God, I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh. Last time I checked, I'm flesh. I need the Spirit of God in my life. You need the Spirit of God in your life. Let's stand to our feet today. And I know as Brother Smith said, God can move in in, in any place in this building. And if you want to just worship where you are, that's fine. But you know, I, I feel compelled in my spirit to ask us or to open this front altar area that we would have, I wonder if we could evacuate our pews really quickly and, and make our way down these aisles. Can we do that? Can we step out from our pews and make our way down these aisles? And I wonder if we could just find a place we can pray for one another and seek Him. And what I'm feeling in my spirit is that we would just take a few minutes to thank the Lord for the infilling of His Spirit for life, for oxygen, for the Spirit of the living God that's inside of us. Some people might be coming up behind you if you're in the aisle. Let's gather up as closely as we can. And if there's someone near you, perhaps as it's appropriate, place a hand on their shoulder. And if you see somebody seeking the Spirit of God, seeking the infilling of the Holy Ghost, maybe just go pray with them. Let's lift our hands in His presence. Jesus, we call on Your name today. Lord, from grateful hearts, we thank you for filling us, oh God, with your spirit. And Lord, there's someone here in need of life. There's someone under the sound of my voice. Lord, they're thirsty. They're thirsty. They're hungry. Lord, and they want to be filled with your spirit. Let your power rest on them. Let your anointing break every yoke. Go ahead and worship him with all of your heart, mind, and strength. God.